The reason that conflict follows some people is that conflict lives so much in some people. And what fills you will spill out from you when other people bump into you. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, that is quite the statement. Convicting for some of us, maybe enlightening for others. And it's really appropriate for today's message as we begin taking a look at when Jesus talked about how blessed are the peacemakers. And it is not easy to be a peacemaker in a world of conflict. We need peacemakers. Trouble is that the conflict's inside of us and we experience conflict within ourselves. I find myself in times of tension Mm -hmm. and when I'm more tense, I find myself more easily provoked and more easily respond in ways that I don't want to. So I really, really need to have the peace of Christ in me in order to be able to bring the peace of Christ to people who are around me. So when we do tend to face conflict, and as you said, what is in us spills out when others bump into us, maybe we don't like that when it happens. And we know we're called to be peacemakers, and that leaves us thinking we're not sure what to do about it. And that's where we come to the peace of Christ in our hearts. I have every day to establish the peace of Christ in my heart as I draw near to him and I draw from the peace that is in him. You know, God is the God of peace. That means not only that he makes peace, which he wonderfully does through Jesus Christ, he has peace in himself. And I need to know something more of that every day through the Holy Spirit who gives the peace of God into the heart. And we'll see that in today's message. We're in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9 as we begin. Blessed are the peacemakers. Here is Pastor Colin. Now, as we have followed this series, we've been seeing that our Lord Jesus describes the character of a Christian in seven Beatitudes. There is, of course, as you will know, an eighth beatitude that follows, but that one is different because it speaks about the experience of a Christian, which is to be blessed by God and to be persecuted by the world. But this is the last of the Lord's sevenfold description of Christian character. And as we said at the beginning of the series, the Beatitudes tell us what a true Christian looks like. They give us a kind of grid on which we can measure our progress. And today we then come to the last of these seven distinguishing marks. And what is it? It is that the Christian is a peacemaker, a peacemaker. Again, our plan is to look today at what that means and next week at how we can pursue this calling. Now, the fact that this is the last of these seven descriptions of a true Christian tells us two things. Remember, there is order and there is progress throughout uh, the Beatitudes. And so, as we come to this as, as it were, the top rung of the ladder, or to use the analogy we've used, the last ring on this line of rings over which we've been picturing ourselves uh, swinging, if you like. The fact that this is the last, this is the ultimate, quite clearly indicates its importance to God. It also indicates its sheer difficulty. 
Have you noticed that as we've gone through this series, each was more difficult than the last? The first one was dead easy. To be poor in spirit, to admit and to recognize that I don't have what it takes when it comes to standing before God, boy, you can't see that. That's the easiest. But as we have moved through, we've found that the challenge has become greater and greater. The stretch has become further. We got up to purity of heart. And now we're doing something that's more difficult still. The ultimate stretch, the highest and the hardest calling of all, to be a peacemaker. Now, the importance and the relevance of this subject is surely obvious to us all. Even in these last weeks, the city that we love, the city that is our home, has again become notorious for its violence. The Bible speaks in Psalm 55. You might like to turn back to there for a moment. I'm going to read a few verses from Psalm 55. The Bible speaks about violence and strife in the city. And there is strife and violence in the city because there is strife and violence in the family. And there is strife and violence in the family because there is strife and there is violence in our own hearts. Psalm 55, as you're turning to it, there is a lament over broken relationships. When David says in verse 9, I see violence and strife in the city, which city is he talking about? The city of God the city of Jerusalem. And the lament and the pain that comes out of uh, Psalm 55 is that the strife did not come from invading armies. It rose up from among the people of God themselves. Probably this psalm was written around the rise of Absalom, David's own son, who raised an army against him. And so anyone who has experienced or is experiencing right now the fracturing of a family, division, enmity, breakdown of relationship, marriage has become turbulent instead of loving, well, you'll relate to these words, verse 12 and verse 13 of Psalm 55. It is not an enemy who taunts me, because then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, because then I could hide from him. I just make my distance. But here's the problem. It's you, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house when we walked in the throng. And so anyone who knows the grief of a trust being betrayed in a marriage, a business partnership, even a church, 
You'll understand verse 20, verse 21, my companion stretched out his hand against his friends, my companion. He has violated his covenant. His speech was as smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. And David says, therefore, verse 22, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. As soon as we look at the real world, whether it be privately within the context of the family, whether it be the world of churches, whether it be the world of cities, we see so many experiences of the saddening, fracturing of life. And for anyone who loves Christ, it is a great burden. And it is a cause, as in Psalm 55 with King David, to lament. Thomas Watson has an extraordinary phrase, a little picture that, now I've found it, I think it'll always stay with me. He says, Satan kindles the fire of contention in men's hearts, and then he stands and warms himself at the fire. Isn't that powerful? That's what Satan does. Satan stirs the flames of contention, of division, of fraction, of conflict, of quarreling. He kindles all that in the hearts of men. And once he gets the fire going, Satan warms himself at the fire. Isn't that an awful picture? Satan warming himself at the fires that burn within a human heart. Fires of anger, fires of contention. Now, in that world, and I've just taken these moments to try and earth and describe for us the world with which we're all familiar and of which we're all part, into that world we, by Christ, are called to be peacemakers. There are peacemakers, there are peacebreakers, and God calls us to be peacemakers in a world of conflict. Let me give you some scriptures that remind you of the importance of the blessing and the calling of being a peacemaker. Here's the first, and sometimes short statements are really helpful because they eclipse things, uh, catch things uh, clearly for us. Number one, God has called you to peace. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 15, a definitive statement. If you are in Christ, this is your calling, and it's a calling from God. It's not an option. God calls you to contribute to peace in your family. Picture your father, your mother, if they are living, your brother and sister, if you have one, your son and daughter, if these gifts have been given to you, your grandchildren, and so on and on. They are your family. They may love you dearly. They may be at each other's throats. They may not be speaking to one another. But whatever the situation in regards to these relationships, 
God's calling to you is that to the best of your ability, you contribute to the peace of your family. That however bad it is, at least your influence will be making it better. That's a direct calling of God upon your life. God has called you to peace. It's the same in the church. Here we are, and we are members of this marvelous congregation and privileged to be a part of it. What is God's calling to you and to me, to each of us? It is that we contribute to the peace of the body. That is not an option. It is a calling, and it's a calling directly from God. It's the same at your work. It's the same in the community. It's the same when you go and eat a meal in a restaurant. Wherever you go, whatever you do, keep this in your mind. God has called me to peace. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. Second, since this is the calling of God, we should be intentional about pursuing it. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 20, I had not noticed this phrase before, and it's very helpful. Those who plan peace have joy. Plan peace, the Bible says. In other words, where we don't have peace, a faithful Christian is to be thinking like this, what is the best way to get there? What would be some steps that will move us in the direction of peace? How can I plan this? How can I strategize this? How can I think about moving in that direction where we do have peace? And thank God for that in the body here. Then the question is always, how can we be wise in protecting that and in in maintaining that, maintaining the spirit in the bond of peace? And of course, peace is more than the absence of conflict. You know the great Hebrew word shalom that's become well-known in our culture, that it means not only the absence of conflict, but it means the active enjoyment of all that is good. And so as I think about what, what I say and about what I do in any sphere of life, this is an important question. What would promote the greatest good in my family, in my church, among my colleagues at work, among my neighbors, and among my friends. And then I should plan for that. should strategize for that. should say, that's what we're going to go for. Because those who plan peace have great joy. And then as we're called to peace and we're planning peace, we're to work for peace. Uh, Peacemakers don't stop with plans. It, It doesn't simply remain there. We are to plan the work of peace and we are to work the plan for peace. And uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 catches this, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The word strive indicates effort, sheer hard work, certainly perseverance, indicates this is not going to be easy. So, as we've tried to frame the world in which we live with all of its fracturing, and the calling of Christ that is so distinctive to us and is repeated in so many scriptures. I want us to focus in here today on what it really means to be a peacemaker and, and why peacemakers are called sons 
of God. And we're going to focus on that with Pastor Colin in just a moment. You're listening to Open the Bible and a message called Blessed are the Peacemakers. It's from Matthew chapter 5 and part of the series Momentum, How to Make Progress in the Christian Life. And if you ever miss a broadcast in the series, you can always go and listen online at openthebible.org.uk. While you're at the website, I hope you'll take the time to see the updates that the team have been working on there, including making it easy for you to give. And when you do give, they're excited to offer you a free copy of Pastor Colin's new book, Six Hours That Changed the World. This is a look at what Jesus accomplished on the cross, and Pastor Colin gives a clear biblical presentation of the gospel message that you could use to share with someone this Easter. They'll send you a free copy of this book when you go to the website to set up a regular donation of at least £5 a month. Find out more about Pastor Colin's book, Six Hours That Changed the World, when you go to openthebible.org.uk. Let's return to the message now. Here is Pastor Colin. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Let me give you this description. Peacemakers are people who bring peace to others because they have it in themselves. Two parts to that description. Peacemakers are people who bring peace to others because they have it in themselves. If we begin at that last part of the definition or description there, it's obvious you cannot give what you do not have. And a person who is, to use a great phrase of Kent Hughes, a sort of walking civil war, a person who is an embodiment of unresolved conflict, conflict will simply follow that person around. The reason that conflict follows some people is that conflict lives so much in some people. And what fills you will spill out from you when other people bump into you. That's one of the reasons why the Bible is so very clear in saying that it is important for the protection of the body to mark, the Bible says, a contentious person. In other words, for there to be an awareness that that person's not going to be a good influence, and then you warn a contentious person once, the Bible says, and after that you have nothing more to do with them, because that will be like a cancer within the body that will spread very, very quickly. What is inside of you will spill out from you. So how are we going to be peacemakers, this great calling of God uh, to us? Well, I've got to have peace in my own heart. And how can I have peace in my own heart? This far on in the series, you'll probably anticipate where I'm going to go because we've been seeing it right through the series. The, the Beatitudes are a continuum in which each comes out of what went before. And the seventh Beatitude comes directly from the sixth. And what that means is simply this, that peace in your heart flows from purity in your life. Notice the order. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Sixth beatitude. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And there's a direct connection. And the reason that we read from James in chapter 3 
is that in that passage, the direct connection is made quite explicit. Look at verse 17 of James in chapter 3 that was read for us. The wisdom of God, the wisdom that is from above, what are its characteristics? It is first pure, then peaceable. Did you notice that? First pure, then peaceable. There is clearly an order there. First, then. Chronology, order. Peace of heart flows from purity of life. And if you think back to what we've been learning about what purity of heart is really all about, you'll see why. What is purity of heart? Purity of heart is to will one thing. The person who wills one thing is the person who can be at peace. The problem with the impure person is that he or she is so fundamentally divided, conflicted, he or she wants contradictory things at the same time, and as long as that unresolved conflict rages in the soul, there is no peace. And that person cannot be a peacemaker because what's coming out of them is the conflict that is unresolved within them. That is why James uh, chapter 4 and verse 1, if you like to turn over there, James goes right to the heart of where strife, division, quarreling comes from, and he identifies precisely this. He says, what causes quarrels, what causes fights among you? James 4, 1, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? He's saying, you're not people of one thing, he says to his audience. And because you're not people of one thing, there's not purity, therefore there's not peace. You see the connection. Passions are at war within the divisive person. He is divided, therefore he becomes divisive. And if this person could have come to the place of purity of heart to have willed one thing, they would have the means of dealing with all the stuff that comes to all of us by way of temptation. But without this purity of heart, without this ability with the Apostle Paul to say, one thing I do and whatever the struggles, I'm after following Jesus Christ. That's what matters most to me. That is the beginning and the middle and the end of what I'm after. Without that purity, this person, divided person, becomes in Elijah's words, the person who is always limping between two opinions, never makes much progress, just always limping between two opinions. And because the person is divided in his own heart, he becomes divisive because what is in him comes out of him. Purity of heart is the only path to peace of life. And that is why the Bible says there is no peace for the wicked. The wicked cannot have peace. Why? Because they do not have purity. And purity is the way to peace. So here's what we're learning, and this is very practical and motivating when you see it. The more you pursue purity, the more you will enjoy peace. And the more you give way to impurity in your life, the more you will become a conflicted, disturbed, restless, and ultimately divisive person. So being a peacemaker, it has to begin with the cultivation of peace in your own heart, and that's a direct 
outcome of the pursuit of purity. The wisdom that comes from above is first pure, then it's peaceable. Pastor Colin Smith there with part of a message called Blessed are the Peacemakers. We'll continue this on the next broadcast, so I hope you plan to tune in. If you ever miss a programme, go and listen online at openthebible.org.uk. The message is from a series called Momentum, How to Make Progress in the Christian Life. Learn more at the website, openthebible.org.uk. You're able to tune in each day to hear Pastor Collins' teaching because of the generosity of listeners just like you. And the team are thankful for the many of you who have shown support through giving. And this month they have something new and exciting to offer. As they continue to make a number of changes on the website, that includes an easier way for you to give. Visit the website at openthebible.org.uk And as a token of their appreciation for your financial support, they have a special gift to send to you. It's Pastor Colin's latest book, Six Hours That Changed the World. And Colin, why did you write this book? Well, you know, it's amazing how often six hours can come and go. They just fly by without anything of real consequence actually happening. But one Friday, about 2,000 years ago, there were six hours that really did change the world. Jesus hung on the cross for six hours, and through what he accomplished on the cross, the lives of millions and the eternities of millions of people have been changed forever. And uh, the cross, of course, is at the very heart of the Christian faith. And I wrote this book so that you can see what it was that Jesus accomplished on the cross and how everything is different because of it for all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they want to send you this book, Six Hours That Changed the World. It's a gift to show their appreciation for your support of Open the Bible. Just go to the website, openthebible.org.uk, and set up a regular donation of at least £5 a month to receive your free copy. Again, the website is openthebible.org.uk. Some Christians get into trouble because they forget the limits. They are perfectionist in nature. They are constantly chiding themselves from their lack of progress. After all these years, I'm so much further on than I am. And they do nothing but beat themselves up instead of moving forward. So remembering the limits will help you. Discover how to find the balance when you join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible.